passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 19 of the Long and Winding Railroad, the show that looks back at the 1990s era of all Japan pro wrestling, the, the greatest in-ring product in the history of professional wrestling, in, in my humble opinion. And, and my humble opinion is that of uh, one WH Park 9. Oh, that's my Twitter handle. I'm WH Park. That's my Twitter handle. I'm, I'm uh, sorry, I'm, uh, I didn't get much sleep last night, so I'm a little uh, tired this morning. And so, but it's okay. I'm going to get really fired up talking about the match we're going to talk about. And, but today is a, is a special episode. One, it's the first episode of 2022. And, and two, it's, we're kind of deviating from the normal formula. We're going to take a look at a match, not from All Japan for Wrestling and, and not from the 90s. We're going to take a look at a match from the 2000s, from Pro Wrestling Noah. But it's all okay, folks, because the two, the two people in this match are All Japan 1990s legends. They are staples. And, and to introduce this match uh, is my, my co-host today. And that is a first-timer here on the show. And uh, he'll explain why we, we're going to talk about this match. And it's uh, the brigadier of uh, wrestling podcasting here at Post Wrestling. It's it's Martin Bushby. Martin, how are you? Hey, WH. Happy New Year. Thanks for having me on. And thanks for, uh, you know, deviating from the normal format of the show to talk about this uh, incredible match we're going to be dissecting today. So why why are we uh, talking about a match from 2003? And why are we talking about a match from Pro Wrestling? No, who who are we going to talk about? Maybe that's that's. First and foremost, who's in this match? Well, of course, we're talking about two of the all-time greats, two of the two of the gladiators of uh, Japanese wrestling. We're going to be talking about uh, Misawa against Kabashi and that all-time classic they had um, from Noah from the first uh, of March two thousand and three. Just there's many matches that they've had. There's many that you could pick from them, but this for me is my all-time favorite. So when you asked me to actually do the show, I was like, hmm, I wonder if he'd be able to cheat around the rules of his own show and talk about this one. Cause this is, I'd say we'll get into the sort of like history of me watching it in a bit, but it, this is, I would say one of my top five matches of all time. And this was a perfect excuse to go through it with all, obviously with you being, you know, having this show and talking about, 
these two in particular, and I thought, what better excuse to talk about this match than on this ship on this very show? Oh, for sure. I mean, it, it's it is Misawa Kobashi. We their their history in all Japan for wrestling speaks for itself. I I mean, this is pretty much a continuation. Noah, for the most part, especially in from like I'd say two thousand to about you know to, until the time of Misawa's death, is pretty much an all Japan promotion at this point. Um, it, the, the all Japan in the two thousands and all but name is, is not what, you know, giant Baba had created. So it pretty much shifted over to, to Noah at the time. So, I mean, it's okay. I mean, it's Masao versus Kobashi. It's this match. And, and I'll talk a little bit about my, my own history with this match. There's a really funny story I have, uh, with regarding to not just me seeing this match for the first time, but for me actually showing it to other people. Uh, in, in a group setting. So I'll, I'll get to that myself. But Martin, what's your history with maybe like also with the, you know, like Misawa and Kobashi and maybe with the four pillars in general, but this match in particular? Well, yeah, it's a funny one for me because obviously back in the 90s when, you know, tape trading was all the rage and I was reading a Power Slam magazine and getting all these, and my eyes were being opened up to all this different wrestling outside of WWF and WCW. I didn't have a ton of money. And there was um, this guy called Rob Butcher who used to do, a, he was one of the major tape traders over here in the UK. And because of my connection to WCW, I was mainly getting the New Japan tapes, like the Super J Cup and like the early G1s and stuff like that. And then obviously getting a bunch of ECW stuff. So in the 90s, all Japan was a bit of a blind spot for me because I only had so much money, so many tapes that I could get. I um, I think I saw the classic, uh, that tag match, Kabashi and Kikuchi against Crawford and Furnace. I think that was on a, a compilation tape that I got. But as far as most of the stuff, I wasn't watching it as it happened or a couple of years later. And it wasn't really until the wrestling channel started over here in the UK and they started showing Noah stuff and that. But even then, I'd still... I'll confess, I didn't actually see this um, this very match we're about to talk about until about seven years ago, because prior to my involvement with Delore and Post, I used to run my own podcasting network, and one of the series that we had on there was getting a, a variety of guests and talking some of their favorite matches, and it was actually Finn Martin, the uh, sorry, Findley Martin, I think he prefers to be called, rather than Finn, um, who was the editor of Power Slam magazine, he came on and said, oh, if we're talking about my favorite match ever, I want to talk about this one from Noah. And, and so I watched it, and then he went through it all and went through the history of all Japan and things with me and really opened my eyes up. So I went back, watched a load of other stuff, and I was like, wow, all this stuff's great, but nothing is touching that Noah match for me. So, yeah, that was my my history of it. I didn't even um, sort of like have my eyes opened up to this stuff till um, about seven years ago, I think. But, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad I did, and I'm really glad it was um, – it was something that um, Finn recommended to me and we went through the match together. Awesome. So we'll be going through the match ourselves as well uh, over the course of this show. But uh, my own background is like I, I had been following all Japan from like the late 90s and just kind of going back in time as catching up on that stuff. But then Misawa forms Pro Wrestling Noah in about 2000 and then it's taking off. And so I'm following Noah pretty regularly. It becomes kind of like, maybe one of my two favorite promotions at the time, along with the Dragon Gate. And, and I'm following pretty regularly. And then this, I hear, I hear about this match, I think from like uh, Dave Meltzer. I think he was like guesting on the law, like, cause he would do the, the Sunday night shows with them. Like he'd do a spot on, on those shows and he 
talked about, oh, this match happened and da 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 da. And then it finally came available on the tape traders that I was using. And I got a copy of it. And, and this is like still VHS. So this is how, you know, this is wow. the era we're talking about. <laughs> and so I got the tape and I'm watching. And I'm like, oh my God. Cause like, you know, like I don't, I think because of like I'm using the same sources that probably Meltzer is. Like he, he probably hadn't written, done a write up about the big spots in the match. So, and so I, I, I got the tape and like, I watched it kind of unspoiled as far as like what actually happened in it. And then I'm, I'm seeing some of the spots that are being done in this match, especially when we talk about the the big, big legendary one. And, and then I'm like, Whoa, I, I gotta, I gotta show this to other people. And so what would happen is like at that time in Toronto, um, the law live audio wrestling guys would host a Monday night wrestling party at uh, this bar called the Grady's. And, you know, people who've listened to, you know, law, the law and, and post wrestling know that me and John, that's where we met when he was 16. And I remember this, he's like a teenager at this time. And he's at this night where I bring this tape. So we finished watching Nitro and, and Raw, whatever. I think probably just Raw at that point, man. Um, and then we stick this tape in. And, you know, there's a fair number of people who stick around for the Japanese uh, tapes that, that people brought in, like myself and Dan the Muffleransky. And then, you know, a lot, a lot of people leave. But the people who stay, I think I'm going to say there's like maybe seven or ten people who stayed. And and then we put this match on. And I've already seen it, so I know what's, what's happening. But then, like, as people, you know, watching it casually and they get more into it as, as it goes through. And then you get to the, the spot. The, the, the apron spot the, the ramp spot and then people are like whoa and they just people popped it was great and, and then just people came up to, to me later and like that was amazing like they wanted like who are these guys and like where can i get where can i watch this stuff and at the time it was like well you you, you can't watch it anywhere because like there's no you know streaming or torrenting or youtube really at that point in history so it, it was really difficult to like you know kind of break people's hearts well, not really. I, I don't care about breaking people's hearts, about <laughs> this stuff, but you know, but yeah. And one of those people, like, I, I, I'm going to say it was John, you know, John Pollock. And, and I, I think he really kind of was familiar with, with Japanese wrestling to, to an extent. And then like, he was just like, wow, that's like amazing and stuff like that. I could be mixing things up. So my matches, but I'm pretty sure this is the match that he was like, I think maybe he came up to me and, and we kind of just struck off uh, a conversation and really from there. And then just, you know, now we're pretty good friends at in, in 2022. So that that's, that's good. Maybe that was, maybe this was a match that sparked our friendship. So it's, it's maybe that's another reason. Like I said, yes, we could talk about this match. That's awesome. That is awesome though, that you had that sort of like outlet to go down to this bar, you know, once a month or whatever and show people these matches who you knew were going to be genuinely interested in that's no, Martin, it was brilliant. every week we would go <laughs> wow every week every week we would go and and this has been told many times but like john was it was a licensed bar and restaurant so john's not legal legally supposed to be in there but oh, like yeah. you know like jeff merrick and, and dan the muscle ransky the the hosts of the law and who were hosting these parties went up to the the owner and just said you know Cause I think John's brother was doing like call screening for them at some point. And so mm. they knew John that way. And it's like, Oh, can he, we'll make sure he doesn't drink anything. <laughs> just orders food. Is that okay? Is that okay? Cause they'll let families go in there. Right. And so it was, it, they said, mm. it's fine. Yeah. Don't worry about it. So as long as you have to drink beer or anyone slips him a, you know, a bourbon or anything like that, it'll be, it'll be fine. And, and, and 
John behaved himself at when he was a teenager, not like the raucous, uh, you know, ne'er-do-well that he is these days, but, so. <laughs> but let, we're going to talk about, yeah, Misawa, Mitsuhara Misawa versus Kenna Kobashi, March 1st, 2003 from the, uh, the NOAA Navigate for Evolution 2003 tour. I believe this is day nine. This is probably the culmination of this tour and it emanates from the legendary Budokan Hall. Did you get a chance to go to Budokan Hall when you were in Japan? um no i don't think i did actually i think that was uh was when i mean it was two years ago now it feels like 10 doesn't it but where it was that not the hotel like next to where we oh no that was sumo hall right i mean it was next to one of the famous wrestling venues i couldn't remember which one it was though uh it's also next to that uh famous irish pub that you and uh lisa and i uh would go to almost every night (laughs) oh yeah and i think john was john was there one night wasn't he 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 joined us one night yeah 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 That was fun. But this is, yeah, you went to Tokyo Dome, you went to Korokin, you went to uh you went to uh, uh Shinkiba first ring for the stardom show. I think those are the yeah. two venues that you went to. So in the future, we all have to try to go to a show at Budokan Hall. It's probably my second favorite venue for wrestling in the world, like next to next to Korokin Hall. Korokin Hall will always be like the number one place for me, but Budokan is just really special because of all the history at in this building so um yeah this is like when noah was running budokan hall regularly and and this is probably this is like filled to the rafters it, it sounds like uh, during the course of this match and, and rightfully oh, so yeah. this is this is a legendary feud series of matches between misawa and kobashi and um yeah let's let's get into some background for this match like do, do you have any notes about like the history of the leading up to this well, yeah, because it, it's um, a funny one, isn't it? Because um, they had so many matches together. And even though Kabashi had won a couple of them, it was still, in my understanding, leading into this match, uh, this last match that they had, that, you know, it's still Kabashi hadn't cemented himself as being, you know, on Masawa's level. Is, is that my understanding? I don't know if I'm wrong there. But, you know, it was still Masawa was, um, you know, the number one guy compared to Kabashi leading into this match. Um, so it pretty much that's that's it. Like they, you know, there had been times in the in all Japan where Kobashi had been um the triple crown champion and, and tag champions with other people, but he had never won uh he had never won a singles title from Misawa. He had beaten other other members of the pillars or someone like Stan Hansen or who or Dr. Dusty Williams, but he had never beaten Misawa for a singles title. So that was kind of like the the only kind of uh check mark he had to tick off was, was that accomplishment. Um, and, and yeah, so this was, this was, you know, built around kind of that idea and something for those of you who uh, might be parachuting in for this match and you don't know the, the, the history of Masao and Kobashi that, that closely is that you have to keep in mind uh, in context that these two have known each other for pretty much over a decade at this mm-hmm. point. Um, they, they, they started like Kobashi started in, in all Japan a couple of years after Misawa had uh, debuted, I believe. And so he's, you know, like Misawa is the, the senpai, the senior to, uh, Kobashi's junior to his Kohai. So he is Misawa's Kohai. So he's like his apprentice and things like that. They're, they form a group called the super generation army together along with, with, uh, Toshiaki Kawada and some other people. And at that in the early stages of that group, Kawada is Misawa's 
regular tag team partner, and Kobashi is teaming regularly with a man by the name of Sayoshi Kikuchi, and they have some amazing tag matches, especially with the uh, the team of Doug Furness and Bancroft at the Canon Express, which I'm sure we're going to talk about that that match in in the future uh, on this show, definitely with 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 somebody. I don't know, maybe with Martin again. We'll see. Uh, maybe maybe a different guest, uh, but you know, like it's not until like in the mid nineties that, that Kawada decides like, I I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to split off. I need to be my own man. And he teams up with Akira Tawe. And then yeah, Masao needs a new regular partner. So he picks Kira Kobashi. It's the most natural fit at this point because Kobashi has been rising up in the card and, and really capturing the, the attention of the all Japan fans uh, with his, you know, fiery spirit and his, his, you know, his passion as, as a professional wrestler. So it's really, it's really a natural fit. So, you know, but they also have, you know, you know, uh, their matches, they have, in fact, they have two wrestler wrestling observer matches of the year in the nineties in 1997 and 1998 uh, respectively. And, you know, between 1990 and 2000 Martin, they have, they face each other in high profile singles matches a number of 16 times. So they have 16 uh, like uh, singles matches to their name against each other under their belt already. And Masao had won all but two of those matches. So it's, you know, like he's the mountain that Kobashi has to climb for this as well. So it's all, this is something you have to keep in mind when you're watching this match. And I think if I had known all this going into watching this in 2003, Mm -hmm. I probably would have liked it even more, but I, I didn't necessarily know that the these kind of like granular details so much but it really helps like if if you do watch it like if you understand like their history as partners as teammates and then as rivals with one another yeah i think i think you can watch this you know if someone is just listening to this and they don't know any but anything about the history or they've got a loose idea about the history i think you can watch this and still it is a good match not knowing the history of it but it's like you just noted there it just adds more and more to it the more times you watch it seeing you know knowing the history between these two and, and the tag team and, and the fact that Kobashi is constantly because did Masawa not come up with sort of like the you know the Emerald Flotion and things like that in the matches that he had with Kobashi earlier you know as, as ways to to beat him did he not come up with these sort of like bigger moves to beat Kobashi in, in their earlier singles matches usually he would come up with like bigger moves to beat one of the the, the, the four other four pillars which would be Kawada and, and Tawe and, and Kobashi so like the Tiger Driver 91 where he, you drop someone straight on their head uh is something he developed in a match against Akira Tawe like he I Emerald Flosion I'm gonna say is probably against Kobashi or Akiyama I can't remember exactly who uh, but yeah, there's, there's lots of moves that these guys invent just to beat a specific person that they maybe have, you know, hard time beating with some of the regular finishers. So like, you know, maybe the tiger suplex and the tiger driver are things that did not work against Kobashi after a while, you know, after he became kind of a, you know, a main eventer himself. So the Emerald Flosion is like, for people who don't know, the Emerald Flosion is kind of like you put your opponent on your shoulder and you, in that position, like, uh, like you're putting them on one shoulder, you're holding them, and their head is tucked in your in your one of your other, your other arm, and then you drive their head into the mat with the side of your body. It's, it's I think I'm describing it okay, but like if you have, yeah, if you, you see are, it, you'll yeah. you'll you'll know what I mean. Like I don't, I don't know if anyone does it now, 
I'm, I'm pretty sure someone has stolen it in, in, in America <laughs> to, yeah, to, to, no to use it in a finisher, but I can't know. I can't remember if anyone has done that, but it's a good move. We'll talk about the Emerald Flosion for sure. Uh, so we're going to be talking about this match in, a, in the company Pro Wrestling Noah. And you have to keep in mind as well that in 2000, like Masao was beaten up. He has got mm. multiple injuries. He's dealing with being in constant pain all the time. And so is Kobashi, to be honest with you. But, you know, he he was slated to be the ace of Noah. Like Masao eventually realized, like, I'm the biggest star, so I have to be, you know, wrestling. I have to be kind of on top initially. But his plan was always to phase himself out of that position and to make Kobashi the ace of the company, the guy, the whole company is going to revolve around. And to that end, he has to put the belt on Kobashi, the GHC heavyweight title. But, you know, you got to keep in mind, like, you know, in 2002, a year before, uh, Kobashi had, had had over 12 knee surgeries. Yep. And in this, you know, precipitated a change in his wrestling style. Um, he's a lot slower. He's a lot more methodical. And he uses a lot more kind of like, you know, brute strength in his matches rather than like he stopped doing a lot of the high flying that he would do before, like the moonsaults, uh, which is really like a man of his size doing moonsaults is was a bad idea to start with. Like yeah. Keiji Muto, Keiji Muto, who's a, who's a bit smaller. He's a big man, too, but he's a bit smaller than Kobashi. But he him doing moonsaults, not not good for his career or his knees as well in the long run. But and so that's that's also something you have to keep in mind. So he finally comes back in around 2003 and then they build up for this match. And it's for the GHC heavyweight title. And it's really also to pass the mantle of ace from uh, Misawa to Kobashi finally. And and uh, it's interesting, Martin, because like I, I kind of said on a previous episode of the show that that if Kawada had come over to to noah with everyone else like it would have been interesting like with kobashi's knee problems and everything like if masaya would have finally just said okay kawada's going to be the ace uh because kawada was relatively healthy for the most part during this time period (laughs) (laughs) so that's something i always like to you know kind of what if in my mind so let's get into that's where i think where do you rate this among all their matches because i know some people think that you know the all Japan matches are better than this one but for me I think with all that history between them and then especially knowing how beaten up they're both they both are I mean what was Kabashi was off for like sort of like 12 to 14 months wasn't he with all these knee problems then he came into Noah and then he was off again for another five months and then you know he finally came back for this match and just knowing all that it's for me, this that's why this is the best one because it's the two old gladiators going round for one more go around again and just all the history between them. And I know some people think this is a bit more sort of like uh not really spotty, but it's it's more based on just sort of like, you know, all the big moves in it rather than sort of like the storytelling of the other matches. But for me, this one is the best out of their uh, singles matches. I don't know where you rate it. Uh as far as in ring work, I'd say maybe it's like number three for me. Um, I, I'd say like, but for storytelling wise, for context, it's probably the best one because Mm -hmm. you have all that history, that history culminates in this match. This is, you know, I was going to save this this kind of tidbit for later, but this is the last singles match they will ever have. You know, it's this match. They would meet each other in tag matches and stuff, but this is the last time they would ever meet 
in, in singles matches is also like something like you have to keep in mind. This is something the fans in Noah wanted to see. They wanted to see Kobashi ascend to that level. This is his, you know, first and only t- time holding the GT typically title. It's, I mean, it's also another tip I was going to say for later, but I'll just say it like this is the longest reign of anyone in the history of this company to have that belt is, is, uh, is the Kobashi reign. I, I personally, like, unless you get someone who's, you know, is going to be a star on the level of Kobashi, I would never break that record personally. Um, but, you know, you save it for like that person. This is going to be a guy who's going to be as popular as, as game changing as Ken Kobashi. And, and, and until Noah finds that person, don't, don't ever break that record. But, uh, no, yeah, I agree no. with that WH. I think, yeah, and I think it's hard to see that they will ever find somebody like Kobashi ever again. But yeah, I would definitely not break that for uh, anyone. You know, it would have to be someone really, really special, wouldn't it, to break that uh, record? Yeah, like, and modern wrestling is, doesn't really call for long, like, you know, long, long. I'll tell, I'll say the exact number of days like later on but yeah so i want to i want to talk a bit about the the card this, again this is from budokan hall it's from march 1st 2003 and i'm just going to go quickly over the results of the other matches here and then starting things off on the show we have the uh the kind of the opening with the with the older veterans on the show mitsuo momoda and russia kimura taking on uh Haruka Aigen and Kishin Kawabata, and the, uh, the the first team defeats the second team at in eight minutes and forty seven seconds. That's about uh, three three and a half minutes too long, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> a six man tag team match: Akira Tawe, Donovan Morgan, and Michael Modest. Oh, two names from Noah's past there to uh, defeat Kotaro Suzuki. Wow, Mike Modest. Yeah, to Kotaro Suzuki, Takuma Sano, and Tsuyoshi Kikuchi in fifteen minutes and forty six seconds. Kenta. And Naomichi Marafuji teaming together defeat Makoto Hashi and Yoshinobu Kanemaru in 16 minutes and 35 seconds. And I believe that's probably the second best match on this show. I remember, I can remember seeing this match when I watched this tape and like thinking, holy shit, that was awesome. This is really when Kenta is really coming out yeah. into his own as, 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 a, as a wrestler and uh, his development, like it's sad what happened to him in WWE in NXT. But if you watch his stuff prior, like especially in this era when he's like one of the best junior heavyweights, along with Marafuji as well. Marafuji is fucking awesome in 2003 as well. But him and Kenta together as a tag team. Oh, oh holy shit. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. uh, Six man tag team match. Uh, Daisuke Akita and Wild 2, Takeshi Morishima and Takeshi Rikio defeat Bison Smith, uh, Izu and superstar Steve. Uh, there's a singles match. Where Scorpio, two cold Scorpio, defeats Yoshinari Agawa in six minutes and 20 seconds. Uh, Yoshihiro Takayama defeats Masao Inoue in seven minutes and two seconds, which sounds like it, it, it was like maybe uh, two minute, five minutes too long there, Martin, uh, for yeah, Takayama maybe. to defeat someone like <laughs> Inoue. Uh, tag team match, Akitoshi Saito and Jin Akiyama defeat Takashi Sugiera and Taman Honda in seven minutes and 31 seconds. And this leads us to Kenakabashi. Challenging GHC heavyweight champion Mitsuhara Masawa for the GHC title, as I already said. But uh, this, yeah, I don't know if I got the, uh, I get the, the exact uh, attendance figure. But this is, I think Budokan is probably sold out for this. But yeah, it, uh, looks, it looks like it's packed to the rafters, doesn't it? Yeah, I think this is like a 12,000 capacity 
building. I can't, I'm, I'm terrible with numbers. Just the people like, WH, shouldn't you know how many people put it? Like, <laughs> fuck no. I, I don't remember fucking the, 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 the exact numbers. Like math was never my strong suit. Like numbers are like, never you might, as, me, yeah. yeah, you might as well be asking me to look at fucking, you know, like Einstein's theory of relativity in depth, you know, like <laughs> anyways, like anyways, cage match rates this at 9.84. Uh, it was out of 10 with 440 votes for this match. And uh, Dave Meltzer in the Wrestling Observer newsletter gave this, of course, five stars. Uh, I think this he had it did as much of the year in 2003 as well. Yeah, this I, I think that that's that's for the in the voting for the from the from the readers voted this match of the year, obviously. So I think you just got so much buzz, Martin. Like I remember yeah. like people like you know on, on the DVR forums or the observer forums, just people going like absolutely crazy about this match and, and, and rightfully so just of course you're gonna get the the people out there who also like oh, it's it's, like, it's overrated it's a it's not a 10 out of 10 it's a it's a four and a half because <laughs> why wouldn't a wouldn't a, what if some of these moves actually kill a human being <laughs> like okay it's, it's fucking wrestling okay and you need to just get a new fucking hobby that if you're if you're gonna be like that to me in oh, my opinion yeah. It's but, funny hearing you mention some of the names that are going through the card there. Uh, Morishima is someone who, uh, from a UK perspective, he came over here quite a few times, um, sort of like 2006 to 2008. I think it was when he was also doing his ROH stint. So, yeah, I saw him wrestle a few times. And then obviously uh, around that say, I think it was around that same time period, sort of like 2006, Doug Williams and two Cole Scorpio with the, uh, with the Noah tag champs. So I think they, they came back and did a number of shows around the UK. So we got quite a lot of Noah representation on sort of like um, UK shows around that time. So it was good that I got to see Morishima wrestle. Yeah, he was in um, quite a few tag matches with uh, Mohamed Yane as well. I remember he was always over here as well. So um, it was good that we got to see those people because this was around the same time as the wrestling channel. So you were seeing them on TV and then they were doing sort of UK shows over here. So that was uh, always pretty special that they'd fetch them over. Yeah, I, I never got to see them live in Toronto, any any of these guys, I don't think. Like I, but I had seen them in, in Japan because I, I lived in Japan in 2000, so I got to see mm. some early Noah shows with all these guys in like in like when they're younger, especially like someone like Morishima, and I, you know, like he's he's kind of a sad story, like how he ended up, you know, yeah. kind of not being able to cope, not being a wrestler anymore, and stuff like that. But anyways, uh, we're let's get into the match itself. So uh, Kobashi comes to the ring first in his his awesome. Uh, kind of black purple robe this is looks like he actually went out and i i hope he didn't do actually do this but it looks like he went out and killed a bear and and made yeah. the robe from a <laughs> from a from a bear like i hope i i hope it's fake for just that's my personal thing uh, but he comes yeah, out to me at if it's fake but it is interesting that he's he's changed now now that he's in Noah, he's wearing the uh sort of like black purpley type gear rather than the orange that he's more synonymous for I, i'm assuming that was a conscious decision that you know you, i'm in a different company now and i'm going to change my gear up yeah I with masawa he was so synonymous with sort of like the uh the green and white that he couldn't really change it but i suppose for kobashi he was um you know it was a statement of intent that he was coming into this company with a new gear and he was going to be the the top guy in the company yeah him him and akiyama akiyama went from like his blue tights to wearing all white which he keeps to this day so like kobashi was also like okay at first kobashi was wearing kind of like his orange colors with like black accents and then he just switched to like just going pretty much like kind of black with purple accents 
to, to his gear. And uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of torn. I do love his orange All Japan look mm, very much because of this. Classic, it's this classic. It's simplicity. I think it fits him for whatever reason. Like the orange, the color orange just fits him so well. But like when he changed, I was like, oh, yeah fuck he looks cool like that's mm. awesome too but uh he comes out to his noah theme which is called grand sword i love this theme song martin i just think it's so yeah, epic it's brilliant. so epic and then uh i made a note that his ring attendants are uh siyoshi kukuchi one of his regular tag partners in all japan and one of his best friends in real life and uh his apprentice the man known as kenta and uh for those of you who don't know like kenta's full name is kenta kobayashi but because there's the 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 uh, the pronunciation is so close to Kenta Kobashi, they just say, you know what, you're just going to be Kenta, and you're going to be, you know, you're going to be uh, apprentice to to Kenta Kobashi, which is kind of funny because actually, if if you think about his background and his style, Kenta should have been apprenticed to Toshiaki Kawada, you know. It's so funny seeing how him how young he is here, you know, because he looks quite sort of he looks quite grizzled compared to this sort of like young baby face Kent that we see in this match. He looks mean. Like apparently him and Marafuji, when they were like doing training in the Noah Dojos, like you didn't want to be in their class because they they apparently were like, you know, beating the crap out of people, mm. the rookies all the time. So that's uh that's apocryphal. I I don't know if that's actually true or not. I, I one would hope not, but yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Misawa comes out, and as he is the of course the GC champion, his 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 music uh, is of course called Spartan X, his legendary theme that he got to keep. Uh, and his seconds are his regular tag team partner Yoshinari Ogawa and a very young Katara Suzuki. And uh, yeah, I always love seeing who's around ringside and who's like the rig attendants for each wrestler when we, when we mm-hmm. talk about these matches. Because right? like, oh, shit, there's there's a Takao Mori. Oh, there's a Judakiyama in you know the early 90s and stuff like that. It's, it's, and then like thinking about, wow, Judakiyama does not have hair anymore at, yeah. at this point. So yeah, <laughs> I got to meet him, you know, I got to meet him at, oh, wow. you know, before like at an All Japan show at the merch table. And, and unlike British wrestling, Merch tables. Uh, I, I had a. I was not taken advantage of Martin as a fan. So, and, I'm glad uh, to hear. That's maybe the only <laughs> reference I'll make to that situation right there. But um, yeah, let's get into the match. And uh, yeah, can pretty we, much uh, before we get into the match, though, yeah. can we? One of the biggest myths, I think, around Japanese wrestling. I think it's been accentuated by this narrative that you get from the likes of Jericho in his books and um, maybe Fergal Devitt's probably said it before and the Young Bucks and all the Western wrestlers that, you know, Japanese fans are very polite and they just clap and they just sit on their hands and they do. it's just really weird because they're silent for most of the match and they just ooh and ah and clap a little. Oh my God, this fucking crowd is absolutely molten from them coming out here and you're just like, let's just forget all that stuff about Japanese crowds being quiet and polite because they are going absolutely crazy when well, you were you were you're in Japan. What do you think? Like you have yeah. an actual live experience and you've been to you went to a stardom show, you went to all New Japan and you went to, to a Noah show. Like I don't I don't like this is like a myth. I've always thought it was a myth when I ever started watching just tapes rather than like let alone going to yeah. Like I think people like Jericho uh, and like the Young Bucks and Fergal Devitt, like you know, like uh, Finn Balor, are all like saying shit like this because maybe 
they're quiet for your matches. Maybe they're polite for your matches. Uh, that's not true. Like I've seen people go crazy for like Young Buck matches in Japan mm. and, and 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 Prince Devitt matches in Japan. So I don't know why they would perpetuate this this idea. Yes, they're more polite than Western fans, and that's something I enjoy because I don't want to hear fucking. Uh, fight forever clap 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 or you know <laughs> this match is for one fall one fall fuck, fuck off okay yeah. you know like i i hate that shit. I, I would probably hate most british wrestling fans it seems from like the the, the height of brit res it seems like when i watch you know matches from that era i'm just like oh my god you people are driving me insane like i i think i have to meet maybe uh the ogden's beforehand and, and and become friendly with them before i watch a wrestling show with them because i just might have a negative <laughs> view about them as far as that goes that's just me personally as as a wrestling fan i i want to watch the wrestling show i don't want to have to listen to other wrestling fans trying to get themselves over at shows like it, it's it's something like it that's you know if you do it it's fine if, I, if i'm not there i don't care but you know like around me like <laughs> I, I i'm not a big fan of it but anyways yes i Martin, I am not looking forward to going to any uh, live wrestling shows with with Western fans in the future because I just know I'm just going to be like comparing them to to the much better fans I, I I was seeing shows with regularly back in Japan. Mm. So yes, it is a myth. Though. I like the demographics though in this as well. When it zooms to the crowd, you've got everything from like kids on parents laps to like really old people you know the demographic is so wide for this match you know it's obviously a draw for like all all ages i mean wrestling has always been i i feel more mainstream in japan than than in anywhere else in the world maybe maybe mexico as well i i'd have to mm. I, I i can't say in mexico but definitely more than than in uh in north america in terms of like being accepted as kind of like a real sport as opposed to like, oh, that that shit is fake. Obviously, you know. Yeah. Um, so, so I think that that yeah, adds to its its wider appeal to people because like you're not your intelligence is not insulted by soap opera antics. And listen, I I'm I'm all for you know a good soap opera in wrestling as long as it's, it doesn't insult my intelligence too too badly. But like one thing I do get drawn into with wrestling is that it is realistic. And so like the trends to making it more like Western wrestling especially like in, in companies like you know new japan really don't sit well with me to in, you know in this day and age but uh no this is not something we have to worry about in this match Martin. this match no. is is <laughs> as realistic as it's gonna get so oh, yeah uh right away it's you know they, the crowd is molding as you said martin and right away you know they they just start going at it misawa ducks uh, this rolling back shot from, from kobashi kobashi just like figures i gotta try to get this match over with us as quickly as possible he goes for one of his big strikes this how ducks that thankfully for him because i think if kobashi connected he he would have like sent him into like the future you know oh yeah <laughs> and, and uh, so like that's good uh and from there they lock up and and start a strike exchange followed by this really nice you know for guys who are like in their 40s and like you know basically have the joints and and and, and uh you know the joints of like people like you know in their 70s they they mm. do a nice chain of uh, holds and counters and then they they do this until you get to the uh, the stalemate position that's very uh, commonplace in Japanese wrestling and this is much to the light of the fans at Budokan Hot Martin like you know they're they're clapping for all this shit because one it looks good and two it's with these guys they know are are legends but like legends who are like you know just kind of being held together by by a uh, spit and tape 
Oh yeah, definitely. And I think the crowd can appreciate that. They they know perhaps they're just past their prime, but they're still able to put on a brilliant match for them. Uh, from here, Misawa is able to take Kobashi over with the fireman's carry. Then he applies an arm lock. And uh, one, one thing that's really great about this match is the psychology evident here is that obviously Misawa wants to tar- target Kobashi's arm, especially his lariat arm, and, and kind of weaken the devastating effects of his, of his strikes that, uh, you know, if he gets hit with a chop or he gets hit with a lariat, then it's not going to be as bad because, like, Kobashi's arm will be, uh, you know, a lot less, uh, a lot less strong. So I, I just think that's really, you know, this and this comes obviously is born out of like, they know each other so well. Masala knows mm. what it's like to take a series of chops from Kobashi. He knows what it's like to get hit with that lariat. And it kind of harks back to one of the earlier matches when it was Kobashi doing the same thing to Masala that he was like working over one of his arms. So he, 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 he loses some of his striking ability. It kind of harks back to, a, I think it might be the 97 match where Kobashi is sort of like working over one of Masala's arms. Yeah, definitely. It's like, you know, anytime, like, I, I'd say from like 97 on, like, you really see like, uh, this idea of like, you know, Kawada, Kobashi, Tawai, like, really being able to counter a lot of what Masawa is doing, because they're so familiar with it. They've experienced so many of his moves. That's like, I have to come up with a smart. It's just like, if you watch their matches, any of these matches in sequence, like if you just take Masawa Kobashi, you watch one, their history as a tag team in sequence, and then move into their singles uh, feuds, you'll see like a, a, a natural progression of like, oh, that they are learning from each big match that they have with one another. And, and this is like the culmination of that. But um, yeah, early part of this match is you just, for people out there, it's basically just Masawa outsmarting and out wrestling Kobashi. And this is punctuated, you know, in, really early on with Kobashi just being dropped on his head early on by a backdrop driver. And they were like five minutes into the match, aren't we? We've already got one sort of like crazy <laughs> head spike. Yeah. Also, <laughs> Masawa's like 40 here and he's still, you know, doing all this. He's still athletic as fuck, isn't he? You know what I mean? Sort of like um, somersault reverse sequence and things like that. And you're like, wow, this guy, you know, is wrestling like a, a guy 10 years younger. And he's got the body of like I'd say six year old, like who's been through a lot. Yeah. He's he's this is the, the the era where he's not as you know like as big as he would end up being. Um, but he's he's definitely not the Masawa of like even like ninety seven. Like it's like in ninety eight or so. Like I feel that you really start Masawa like not being able to work out as and stay as as a Sylvette as he as he is. As he, as a lot of people like think of a of him in his prime, you do see him like getting kind of the belly there, and like it's because like he's he's drinking more, he's taking a lot of painkillers, and he's not working out as much. He's also he's the president and owner of the company, so he's got a lot of responsibilities, and and working out is not is not one of them, unfortunately. And you know, then yeah. but he still he still looks good enough in this match as far as in, in far as like the aesthetic aspects of it go. Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, it's always, I always find it a bit tricky also as well, you know, because obviously we all know what happened to Masara and then obviously Kabashi's body broke down and I always sort of like feel bad in a way, sort of like glorifying these matches and stuff, considering what happened to both of these guys. But at the end of the day, life's about choices, isn't it? And, you know, they, 
you know, they chose to carry on doing this and this is what they knew and stuff like that. So I suppose I, I forgot to take that into consideration when I'm, I'm watching these. I, I my, my feeling is that, listen, like the matches that I watched, no one died in them. Um, and I don't, I think if you ask Kobashi, do you have any regrets about anything you did in terms of like your body? He's like, he'll probably tell you no. Like, yeah, no. They do, do it all again, wouldn't they? Yeah, I think also Masao would, would would say the same thing like he like you know just for people who don't who haven't listened to the misawa biography episode i did like he wrote a note to be given to if he died in the ring he wrote a note to be given to the person who might have like you know been in the ring with him to say mm-hmm. this is like i don't blame you this happens in our business and this is the path of life i chose so if i died in the ring with you don't blame yourself please don't do that and that and that helped the person who you know, unfortunately, was involved with his death, Akitoshi Saido. Like he was given that note, and like you know, and helped him not commit suicide because this guy was gonna sound like he was like on the verge of committing suicide because yeah. like he, he felt he killed Masawa, and you know, it's a lot of things. It's like that that contributed to his death. So I mean, and that's something Masawa he consciously wrote a letter to be to in the event that this that what happened to him happened. So there you go. I mean, that's. None of the matches I like, and but the basic thing is like none of the matches I'm covering or reviewing has anyone dying in them or led to their deaths. I feel yeah. so. I, I kind of watch these like guilt free in in that sense. Wrestling yeah, is wrestling. Like, yeah. if, you know, it's like MMA. You're gonna get upset at all these or the NFL. Okay, I'm gonna get upset at all these people who have brain damage and stuff like that. I I wish it didn't happen, but you know that's not that's their choice kind of thing. Like it's kind of a yeah slippery slope. But um, but Kobashi does get spiked on his head pretty early on in five the five first five yeah. minutes of this match. He smartly he rolls out to the ring to prevent being pinned. But you're talking about Masao being in his forties, being banged up, but still being agile as hell. Well, Masao decides to follow. <laughs> he does this by ascending to the top rope mark, where he launches himself onto Kobashi, who's on the floor with a diving elbow smash. Unbelievable. <laughs> I know, yeah, and the crowd just absolutely lap this up, don't they? Going absolutely insane. Because when you are watching this, you kind of forget this is two sort of like older men who are completely broken down with the stuff they're pulling out. And, you know, that's just the initial part. I mean, we're going to be talking about an even more insane bump to the outside in a bit. Uh, Masala decides to follow this uh, flying elbow uh, uh, by hitting a rolling senton off the apron onto Kavashi, who's still on the, who's still on the ground. Uh, yep. But the, the action returns in the ring where Masawa hits a missile drop kick from the top rope, followed by a, flex, by a frog splash where he gets a two count only. But he then decides to go back to the arm uh, with an arm bar on Kobashi. But uh, fortunately for Kobashi, he's able to get to the ropes. Uh, I'm going to say the next four to five minutes is basically Masawa just imposing his will onto Kobashi. Uh, and this happens until Masawa misses a splash from the apron to the floor. Uh, like so, like so, Kobashi's on the floor again, and and Masao is gonna do another splash or dive, or some kind of dive onto him. And Kobashi moves, and then with using Masao's own momentum, he then Kobashi then chops him in the back of the head into the into the steel barricade, which results in Masao being busted open around his mouth and chin area. Like you just see this trickle of blood start coming out of oh like, god, that he area. fucking eats that barrier, doesn't he? It's like. It's lucky there's no sort of like slow-mo replay or anything on that because he literally, I know it's 
mainly his chin, but watching it, it just looks like he literally eats that barrier face first, doesn't he? Like he's he's so lucky he didn't bite his dumb tongue. I think that oh, would have yeah. just been terrible. But it's like he's probably thinking maybe I should have started wearing a mouth guard before this yeah. match. Or something. He didn't even get any respite. He literally gets like five seconds to catch his breath before uh, Kabashi's back on him again, doesn't he? Yeah, Kabashi, you know, while on the floor, decides to hit him with a half Nelson suplex <laughs> on the ringside mats. Those are there's all thick mats, people. That's pretty. That's hard floor, pretty much under like I don't know about a maybe an inch or two of padding, which is, is not much, you know? Uh, mm. And so from here, Kobashi is able to take control of the match. And, and the, the focus of Kobashi's offense is to work over Masao's neck, uh, which is, you know, which, you know, plays into the fact that his, his finishers are the Lariat and, and the, and the brain buster and, and the, uh, the burning hammer. So these are all the, you know, moves that focus on, uh, impacting the head and the neck. So that's really smart. And uh, Kobashi, you know, takes the match to, uh, at some point, takes the match to the uh, elevated ramp. So you have to keep in mind for the Budokan shows, Martin, like this is not something All Japan did. This is something that Noah did, I think, just to set themselves apart from mm-hmm. All Japan. And they, I, I personally feel it gives kind of, you know, the, the ring a kind of a, a special look if you have like this kind of ranch. This is something like, like, uh, WCW used to do for their big shows, right? For their pay-per-views. Yeah. Are you a fan of the ramp? I really like it. I know uh, WWF have never used it, but um, it no, they did. It does make you think of WCW. Oh, did they use it? They used it in Toronto in Maple Leaf Gardens. There was a ramp. Like, oh wow! It was the only like when you see house shows from the eighties of W. Like they didn't keep it for you know after a while, but like I, I'd watch like house show footage from like Boston Gardens or Madison Square Garden or, or Maple Leaf Gardens. Like Maple Leaf Gardens had this ramp, and I'm like, "What the fuck is that? That's cool because you can do so many innovative things yeah. from the ramp, which we're going to talk about." But you know, from uh, from here, he he takes him to the ramp, and he hits you know on the ramp, he hits Masao with a DDT, which can't be fun for either men. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, back in the ring, Masao reverses an Irish whip into the corner and goes for a monkey flip, but Kobashi grabs his legs. And then smashes him like and propels him face first into the uh, top turnbuckle, like not helping his, the matter with his chin and uh, his mouth being busted open here. Uh, yeah, and I think you even see here he's sort of like when he's on his back, sort of like there's a bit of spit mixed with blood, and it looks absolutely revolting. <laughs> it's pretty gross, especially like what we know now about like you know about you know we think about all of the you know pandemics and things like that out there these days. Yeah, uh, Kobashi. And hits two consecutive half Nelson suplexes. One of his favorite moves is not the German suplex or, or like a full Nelson suplex, but the half Nelson suplex, which I think looks even more devastating because it's like there's less control, Martin. It doesn't look like mm. there's much control <laughs> with a half Nelson suplex. And then he and, locks- and when you see people in the crowd, even for like sort of like these minor moves, like the suplexes that he's doing, they're not the big finishers, are they? But that everyone's like going crazy for them. It, just seeing Kabashi do it. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's, I think that happens with anything with like people hitting signature moves because, like, you kind of go to, to a wrestling match and you see a certain person, it's like, I want to see that person do this move, this move, and this move. Mm. And if you get it, then you're like, Yeah, so happy. Um, yeah, from, from here, uh, you know, uh, Kobashi decides to kind of kind of get kind of a break for himself and he puts uh, Masao in a full Nelson submission hold, uh, mixed with the body scissors, you know, and this, is, of course, more pressure on masao's neck but you gotta imagine like kobashi just needs like i need a bit of a break here 
you know? Yeah. <laughs> and you stop hitting so many moves. Like he's probably, what is this? Like, we're not even like, maybe like we're, we've, we've hit the 10 minute mark now. And it's just like, these two guys probably feel like they've been wrestling for like an hour. Oh yeah. Cause it, it, it doesn't start off slow. Does it? it? They're all out for the first 10 minutes of this one. Um, from here, Kobashi starts chopping away at Masawa's head and neck and, and, and Masawa falls to one knee. Uh, this starts to, you know, the part where Masawa gets really pissed off at Kobashi now. And then he just basically, you know, rallies himself. He just starts no selling Kobashi strikes. And this crowd goes absolutely oh, yeah. uh, for this stuff. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, this is absolutely brilliant, isn't it? Because he's, kind of, he's doing like his whole cup moment sort of thing, and uh, and Kabashi's like still trying to get him down. And he's like, "No, I'm not having any of this shit." You know, you pissed me off now. And and from here, like you know, Masao just starts firing back with like elbow strikes, and, and Kabashi's like you know hitting them with chops and stuff like that. But you know, fortunately for Kabashi, he comes out of the, comes out of this, and he hits Masao with his own massive backdrop driver. Head spike that gets a two and a half count uh, for Kobashi. It's not enough to put Masao away though, and 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 I I would almost say Martin like you know halfway through this match, maybe at like the 12, 15 minute mark, we we we're we're pretty much hitting what what I would call the crescendo of the match, which is usually like the last you know seven, five to seven minutes of a match. We're we're getting it halfway through this match. Oh yeah, because that's the thing. It, it's not. This match, it's like, what is it, like uh, 40 minutes long or whatever? And it flies by, doesn't it? It goes by so quickly. And I think that is because, like you just noted there, we'll be in like 10 to 15 minutes in the match and it feels like they're going for the the sort of like last five minutes of the match when there's still about 20 minutes left. Kobashi goes for another backdrop driver, but Masao reverses it and hits Kobashi with a German suplex. Uh, Kobashi gets up but ends up getting hit with the Tiger suplex. There's an elbow by Masawa, a rolling back shot by Kobashi, a rolling elbow by Masawa, uh, which finally sends Kobashi back down to the mat. So they, they're, they're just pulling out like, like all the moves, all the exchanges yep. that they would do in the last you know, five minutes of a match. They're pulling them out. And this match is, is about 40, 34 minutes long. And it's just amazing that they're... And you would think, okay, this match is going to go, maybe it's going to be like 20, 20 minutes max because they're hitting all these moves. No, we still got about another, you know, 10, 15, yep. you know, 10, 15 <laughs> minutes left in this match. Um, so from here, Masawa goes for the Tiger Suplex 85, which is uh, where he gets the guy kind of like a sleeper hold. And then he takes him over in a back suplex. Uh, but Kobashi, he goes for that, but Kobashi blocks that. There is another exchange and they block each other's strikes. And then Masawa attempts a Tiger Driver, but Kobashi blocks that. So if you're someone who's watched like All Japan, in the nineties and watch these matches from all Japan between these two. This is like, this is so dramatic, Martin. This is just so much like, Oh my God, like this, 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 he's, he's going for this, but Kobashi knows how to block that. Kobashi's going for this, but Masawa knows how to counter that. Now he won't get hit with that. It's just, just really fucking amazing. Like, so when I say like in ring, it's not, it's probably my third favorite match, but like psychology storytelling wise, it's probably the best one. This is why I'm saying this because it's like, Everyone talks about like, you know, what like Easter eggs, right? Or like, you know, like mm. got callbacks. This match is just full of callbacks before that term got played out so badly in like the last, you know, five years in wrestling that you don't even realize you're seeing callbacks necessarily. You're just like, oh, this, you know, 
this is storytelling. This is just like two wrestlers who are masters of the form of the craft, mm-hmm. just doing their doing what they do the best. And also, even if you haven't, you know, even if you haven't seen the other matches, you, you if you know a little bit of history about them, you know, Masawa's going for his big moves and Kabashi's blocking them. So it's that whole storytelling that, you know, perhaps when he was a younger wrestler, he couldn't block these moves. But now he's got he's, he's showing the crowd that he's got Masawa figured out here. Uh, from here, Masawa hits Kobashi's neck with several vicious strikes. Uh, there's a tiger driver that he gets to hit on on Kobashi, which only gets a, a, a two count, two and a half, yeah, two and a half count, yeah. Uh, Masawa does end up hitting the uh, the tiger suplex eighty five with a bridge for a very very close two count. And we have to keep in mind, like Martin, we're not we're not going to say this every time, but like the, every every a kick out is just met with like our you know applause. And cheers, and and at some points you can also see people in the crowd. The crowd is amazing to watch because at some point mm-hmm. you're gonna see at least one person jumping out of their seat, pumping their yeah. fists in the air like they're Alan Farrell or something like that, and, and clapping. <laughs> and it's it's just awesome to see, especially in this you know this this day and age where we we don't necessarily get to see that in Japan right now. It's just so nice to 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 see that, if not experience it, but to see it like back in like 2003. They build this crowd, they play this crowd like an absolute fucking fiddle, don't they? Because they every sort of like big move and every sort of like kick out really, really means something. It's not like, you know, how we get today, like with Davey Richards and Johnny Gargano spamming these kick outs and burning the crowd out. They do everything time to perfection in because the level, you think it's loud when they first come out for the um, for the entrances, but the level of the crowd, they just keep building it and building it and building it, and everything's just time to absolute perfection in this match. Uh, another Tiger Driver gets a two and a half again as Masawa just continues to wear down Kobashi with one pinfall attempt after another. So that's now Masawa's strategy. It's like, I'm just going to try to hit him with my bombs, everything, and, hopefully, yeah. and hopefully this is going to... This is gonna. This is gonna finally put him away. Uh, Masawa tries to hit Kabashi with the Emerald Flosion because he thinks this. That's it. I gotta bust the Emerald Flosion out. Mm. But but Kobashi is able to power out of it. He knocks Masawa into the turnbuckle, and then as Masawa's momentum carries him out of the turnbuckle, Kobashi hits him with another half Nelson suplex. Oh my god! And this is when the crowd start really getting behind Kabashi because they start chanting his name. Don't they? I, I think people are thinking. This may or may not. They're not certain that this is this is Kobashi's. This is the time that Kobashi is going to finally defeat Misawa for this belt. So there is that drama that he's not going to do it, right? So mm. now at this point, like I, we, you and I can speculate. We can theorize that. Okay, this is where they think. Oh my god! Especially the the Kobashi fans, the people who want to see it, they realize we might get, we might be witness. To history here we might get what we want and then when that happens martin i when i see that happen myself if i'm at a wrestling show like oh the result i want to see happen is gonna is is gonna come to fruition like if i have doubts about it and then i i slowly come to the realization that oh what i want to see happen is gonna happen like i just my 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 emotions just kick into overdrive Oh, yeah, definitely. And what I love when you, it does cut to the crowd after, like, you know, a big move's been blocked or a big move's been hit, you know, the look, the expressions on a lot of the audience faces is like, wow, I can't believe this is happening in this match. So from from that help, to, <clears throat> excuse me, from that half Nelson suplex, Masawa gets back right up immediately and charges at Kobashi, but 
he walks into a sleeper suplex. So he gets into a full sleeper hold, and then Kobashi just takes him over. That that can't be fun to take. <laughs> no, not at all. And drops him right on Masao's head. And both men are down on the mat. Like they they just been going at a pace. Like they were for, for a modern context. Like if you're like imagine Okada and Omega like having like their match, but they they're like, you know, they're like 20 years older at this point and like have the bodies of people 30 years older. That but this is like but that's the pace they've been going at the last five, six minutes. And they're just like exhausted at this point. But this crowd is not exhausted, Martin. This crowd no, is not at all. They're that's just what keeping them going, isn't it? Through throughout this, yeah. Uh both men get up and and as they do so, Masala goes for a diving uh back elbow, but Kobashi responds by hitting a lariat to the back of Masala's head for a near three count. Uh they both charge at each other, and Kobashi hits a running lariat for a close two. So now Kobashi's like busting out the lariat and like um, yeah, it's his turn to get on top now, isn't it? And his turn to like start firing the offense at Masao after Masao's been on top for so long. Yeah, but the 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 idea of like like what Masao was doing earlier with like the working on the arm has is playing is uh you know paying dividends here because like these are not the normally probably at this point you would think that these these moves these lariats would be taking out Masao he be he be getting pinned but he's weakened the arm enough enough. Or it's still devastating to get hit by them, but they're not they're not killer blows at this point. Yeah. Uh Kobashi picks Masao up and goes for the brain buster, but Masao reaches the rope and the move is blocked. Kobashi tries to suplex Masao, but Masao lands on his feet on the entrance ramp and suplexes Kobashi over the top rope onto the ramp. This <laughs> Kobashi is not a light man. That's no. just I gotta say, <laughs> wrestling is cooperative, but at the same time, like Masala has to manage this man's weight, like from with a, the ropes in between them, which I cannot imagine makes it easier. No, and you know where uh, Kabashi isn't going to be going up light either, is he? No, no, he's. I don't think he can run. I don't think his no. knees would would allow him <laughs> no. to go up light. Um, uh, from this point. Okay, Kabashi is on the apron. Masao is back, is in the ring. So Kabashi starts getting up. And Masao decides, I'm going to hit him with the, with the elbow suicida, which is a tope, basically, using the elbow as your striking point. So he hits him with the elbow suicida by diving through the top, uh, the top and middle ropes while Kobashi is on the ramp and just kind of hitting him. More like kind of looks like a slider move right mm. instead of like yeah like a dive and this that's one of the great things about this ramp is you can do moves like this and it looks fucking cool yeah it does and i mean also having the ramp there also allows them to do this next fucking move which is this is the move of the match coming up here isn't it where the crowd just literally explodes so they've been wrestling for almost like 25 27 minutes at this point where and they're exhausted, but they, they're getting up. Masao's up first, and he tries to go for a tiger driver on the entrance ramp, but Kobashi blocks that. But I'm, I'm sure if in retrospect, maybe he should have thought of just taking the tiger driver on the ramp yeah. because <laughs> what happens next? Kobashi fights back, and Masao elbows him. And then he, in like, so Masao is facing away from the ramp. His back is to the, the drop off point, basically. And then he hooks. 
Kobashi's arms into the tiger suplex. And you're thinking, if you're in the building, you got to be thinking, nah, that's not going to yeah. happen. That's crazy. Who would do that? But Masawa hits Kenna Kobashi with the tiger suplex, a release tiger suplex from the fucking ramp to the fucking floor. And absolutely I, incredible. Incredible. I went every time I see this, I still go absolutely crazy every time I see it. And this is the move. Like when this happened at O'Grady's, people went like apeshit. They were like, what the fuck did I just say? Oh my God. Like that. And I, I, I'm pretty it's sure. All I these years later, it's got that effect. Oh yeah. I, I watch this match and I still think, or I watch a gif of this, this particular move. And I just think, huh. They didn't die, yeah. either of them. Yeah. <laughs> Especially Kobashi. The, the fact that he he agreed to this move beforehand mm. is just like, wow. Like the trust. Yeah, I was like, think about like the trust that these two guys have built up with one another. Oh yeah. To, to be able to say like, yeah, I trust you. You know, to to do this move done to me as as safely as possible as you can. You know, after you know you know, 25 minutes of just brutalizing each other and not being the most cognizant person in the world at this point. But oh, yeah. yeah, it's this crowd. And I think all the other wrestlers at ringside are just like dumbfounded at what they just witnessed. And yeah, because you, you see all the photographers sort of like rush around and then you you can see the wrestlers that were either cornering either of these two or just the wrestlers that are there working like sort of like ring crew are just like, oh my God, this... Is, this is just insane. And when you see wrestlers have that reaction, you know it's something that's, you know, ridiculous. You get to see that a lot in all Japan and Noah. Mm-hmm. Martin, like, there are points where, like, you just see these spike drops on people, people getting dropped on their heads and people, like, debuting moves like, you know, the Tiger Driver in 91 or the, the Gonzo Bomb or the Burning Hammer. And, like, some of the wrestlers around the ring, they don't know that they these moves have been invented or going to be mm-hmm. debuted. And they just pop i love seeing that as well i just like yeah. seeing the the brother wrestlers like whoa like and then they're, and they're probably thinking oh my god do i have to take that at some point Ugh. yeah <laughs> um so both men are exhausted they're they're like this takes as almost as much out of Masao as it does kobashi I, I obviously kobashi takes the brunt of the impact of this move because his control his fall is is not controlled at all. Let's just be, let's just throw that out there, Martin. This is not a no, controlled not, ball. Not controlled at all, no. He is lucky he didn't fly further or hit the ring post with his head or, or anything. He's just very, very lucky. But the yeah. ref, you know, he, the ref comes out, he checks on them, just make sure they're both okay enough, and then gets back in the ring. He starts the 20 count. And this is not a, a ghetto book, New Japan fucking 20 count either. Masao gets back in first, and it's a logical 19 mark that kobashi gets back in and the drama is just unbelievable where because yeah, they, he barely gets back in does he just after the 19 he just barely gets in and, and the crowd just is like oh well the other thing is like they don't they don't like just waste this idea like they, they do in new japan it's like i've seen you guys like they'll do multiple like 19 counts on the floor in one in one show and i was like why would you do that you should save mm. that so it's more dramatic no one believes that it's going to be a Account of finish, especially in in Noah and in all Japan in the nineties, because Baba basically, you know, the philosophy was like that's that's done. We're not doing that ever again. Or if we if we do, it's it's going to be special. And they yeah. had, they didn't do anything like that in Noah, up to especially not in a title match. So like no one's gonna, you know. So like it's oh my god. But if he was counted out, Martin, you would believe 
you would you would not necessarily be disappointed because what you saw beforehand that led to him being counted out. You know, yeah, that move is enough for him to be unconscious on the floor, isn't it? For more than twenty seconds. Who's gonna complain about it? Like, which, what fan <laughs> is gonna be like, oh, I didn't come here for it. wait. He he got super, Tiger Suplex off the ramp onto the floor and he didn't die. So that's pretty awesome. I saw history. That that in itself is historic enough. So like, mm-hmm. it, it makes sense for like to do this kind of a a spot of the nineteen count with after a move like that. Uh, back in the ring, Misawa hits a jumping knee to Kobashi's face for a one and a two kick out. Misawa hits two hard, hard back elbow strikes and then and then is able to plant Kokena Kobashi with the Emerald Flosion. One, two. Kobashi kicks out, Martin. This is the first time. This is like Misawa's super finisher now. Yeah. And Kobashi the first kicks time out. He's ever been kicked out of and just. You can just see the like I was talking about the the expressions in the crowd. Just everyone's just like dumbfounded. They're like, "Oh my god, he's kicked out of like you know the move." And it they just this is what I mean about them working them like a fiddle because they just know that this is going to get the biggest reaction out of everything they've done tonight. Masawa goes for the Tiger Driver ninety one, the head spike version of the Tiger Driver, but Kobashi, thank, Kobashi thankfully blocks it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they, they charge at each other and bounce off one another and kabashi hits another layered for a close two count here uh finally and this is we're we're, we're at, basically we're at the finish of this match part finally kabashi is able to get masawa up onto his shoulders in a in the torture rack and and in, and the argentinian backbreaker whatever you want to call it and from here he hits his super finisher the burning hammer which is probably the greatest name for a move in the history of wrestling oh yeah for the one two three the crowd goes crazy Kenna Kobashi has pinned Mitsuhara Misawa to become the GHC heavyweight champion and and has finally defeated Mitsuhara Misawa to win a singles championship and this match is 33 minutes and 28 seconds long and it's fucking awesome <laughs> It is absolutely fantastic. Fucking brilliant. No, like, forced fake epic like you see nowadays. This is just two of the best, all-time best, going for one more go-around, you know, in front of this capacity crowd, and it's just absolutely fantastic. Could never, ever get bored of watching this match. You said it's like 33 minutes. It zooms by in about five minutes. They, they, this, like we said earlier, this would win Wrestling Observer Match of the Year. Uh, Ken Kawashi would go on to have the longest consecutive reign as GC heavyweight champion. At Martin, he he was champion for seven hundred and thirty five days. Wow, wow. that's that's <laughs> over two years, yeah, or close to two years, right? That's over two years. Yeah, yeah, over two years as the champion, and in one of Noah's biggest, you know, period, you know, box office periods of, you know, like, you know, they were they were very successful with Kobashi on top and just i think the perfect you know kind of exclamation point on his career because it it kind of you know unfortunately it doesn't it doesn't really get much better than this except for i'd say the match with uh kensuke sasaki that he has at the tokyo dome for for one of noah's big um tokyo dome shows that they have like that's it that's the that's this and that Sasaki match are the the peaks of his career. And then it just kind of like, unfortunately, deteriorates. And I hate saying that. I hate thinking about 
that period of his career, Martin. But like, mm. it's it's okay. Like as fans, like he's retired now. He seems very happy. He's married. He has kids. He he enjoys just being kind of an ambassador and and doing work for Noah as a commentator and things like that. And and I'm glad. I'm glad that 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 was his. That's his life now. And and I'm glad he was. He's he's he seems like he's not taking any more big bucks. <laughs> Thank God. No, thank God. Yeah, he always seems very happy, doesn't he? Whenever you see pictures floating around of him, he always seems like, you know, he's got a massive smile on his face. He seems quite content to be, uh, you know, to be living his life now and be done with wrestling. Yeah, and uh, I think he's he's transitioned really well, like better than a lot of people out of wrestling, out of being an active in-ring wrestler to being involved in wrestling as as he is, because he, he is a legend. People want to see him. Like if I... Get, I think I got to see him. I can't like, sorry, my memory is terrible, but like I did get to see him live as, you know, appearing at a mm-hmm. show, I had an all Japan show. Actually, he did an appearance for an all Japan show that I went to. And I was just like, so happy Martin. Like I got to see him. Like, yeah, I didn't care that he was in the ring wrestling or not. I just got to be in his presence. And like, that's, that to me is amazing in of itself because of the amazing career and matches that that he had in the, the kind of the, the emotion and, and entertainment that he, that him and Masao brought me especially. So yeah, like any, any final thoughts about this match? I mean, I don't, there's so many, so many superlatives you can throw at a match. I mean, this is just absolutely fantastic wrestling at his best. It's really hard for me. And I'm the same with films. I can never narrow down like my top number one favorite film. And it's same with wrestling as well. Um, but this has got to be in top five of all time. Like it's like a good fellas or an unforgiven. It's one that I can watch over and over again. And I wouldn't necessarily say it's like number one, but it's definitely in that conversation. Just absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I know Kabashi did come to the UK um, for uh, maybe two matches, but sadly I wasn't, I did see Masawa wrestling a, a six man. So that was, but obviously, you know, um, the the good days were long gone by that point, but good seeing him actually in the flesh. But yeah, suddenly I never got to see Kapashi wrestle wrestle live. I am really jealous about that. But yeah, just if you've never seen this match, if you don't know the history of it, it doesn't matter. Obviously, it adds a lot more to it. But even if you don't know the history, you've got to just it's free on YouTube. I think there's about 17 different versions of it on YouTube. Yeah. But you've got to go and watch this match. Just absolutely fantastic. You, you know, it's today. kind of kind of funny. It's like I I I. I did see Kobashi wrestle once in, in 2000 in, in the tag match. So I got to say that, but like, you know, it's going to, it's ironic is that uh, our mutual friend, uh, uh, Benno deathmatch Richard has seen Ken Kobashi wrestle in, in, in ROH oh, yeah. against Samojo. And that, that's, that's, that seems so unfair to me. Oh, no. He, ne- he never likes to bring it up though. Uh, I, I should, we shouldn't bring it up because he, he's really embarrassed. He doesn't like to brag about that. He saw, <laughs> you know, co- he won a lot, some kind of raffle or some shit and, and, and got to see this match free essentially it was, it was at the it was at the uk he won the raffle at the uk show that i'm referencing that uh i saw myself in that uh in that tag match me and ben i didn't know each other at the time but we were both at the same show um i think it was 2005 yeah um international showdown and yeah and that's when he won the raffle and then was able to go across and watch uh kibashi um joe, hey, joe. yeah yeah i'm sure you know if he's listening to this that Benno right now is just like smiling, beaming right yeah. now. <laughs> Benno, you, go go watch this match, Evan. If you want to watch this, go go right now to watch YouTube 
and, and watch this match. If, if you haven't done it to prepare for watching this, but you should go do it right now. And then go watch Joe and Joe, Mas- Joe and Kobashi again, if you, if you yeah. want to uh, think, but uh, <laughs> you know, Martin, thank you so much for uh, joining me on this show. I, I had a blast talking about something that's out of like the, the normal parameters of the show, but mm. this, this fits in. It's essentially an all Japan nineties match just under a different banner. But I, I had a blast. And, and if people enjoyed your appearance on the Long and Winding Row Road, where can people find you? Oh, well, um, of course, every month on the British Wrestling Experience, uh, me, Benno, and Andy Ogden uh, looking at what the European wrestling scene is currently right now. And then, obviously, uh, me and Andrew Thompson on Bushman Thompson's Wrestling Adventure also talking uh, retro wrestling. So you'll be able to find both those on the British Wrestling Experience feed. Also, like... Uh... Martin and uh, Andrew Thompson have uh, a t-shirt for their show, which I own and which I bought from store.postwrestling.com. And, and, uh, you know, you got to plug this stuff, Martin. You got to, you got to show this stuff. Like uh, (laughs) I do every week, every, every time I get a chance. In fact, if you go to store.postwrestling.com, you can also find two t-shirts that uh, are are for my shows, the post Perez t-shirt and the, the, the the t-shirt for this show. That then is very popular, especially in the United Kingdom, Martin. Many of the people who who bought this T-shirt are from your part of the world, including uh, some people over in Ireland. Uh, they know who they are. People know who they are. Anyways, if it's good enough for to travel across the, the pond, then it's good enough for people here in North America. Go to store.postwrestling.com. Buy the long and winding railroad T-shirt. You can get it either black or white. I I prefer the black, but like I know the white is very very popular as well. So it's up to you. And yeah, and uh, you can find me every month on the Long and Winding Road Road. This is episode 19, Martin. That means the next episode is is 20. And that means it's a wow. biography. It's a biography episode. Every fourth episode is a biography episode. And and we're going to look at the the uh, the fifth pillar, the the unofficial fifth pillar of All Japan Pro Wrestling. And that would be June Akiyama. That's our next episode. It's going to be a look, a close-up look at the career and life of June Akiyama. I'm, I'm very excited about this. I, I've kind of confirmed my, my co-host for that, but I'm not going to say who it is uh, on this show. Uh, it'll be a surprise for people over on uh, the social medias. I'll announce it there. Just as, as soon as we record it, I'll announce who it is, but I don't want to kind of put the cart before the horse, so to speak yeah. here. Um, but yeah, you can also find me on Post Perez every month, usually with, with John Pollock, but sometimes with a guest host. And of course, like uh, when the MCU uh, on Disney Plus restarts again, then MCU later with myself and Wei Ting, which you can find exclusively at uh, the Post Wrestling Cafe. So you, you do need to sign up to become a patron over, over there. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, whatever comes up next uh, for the MCU, which I believe is uh, Moon Knight. Have you been watching the MCU, uh, Martin, on Disney? I have indeed. I actually thought Hawkeye was the best out of all the series. Yeah, that was awesome. I I really love the promise that that show gave us in terms of like what's in store for the future, especially with with Florence Pugh as as Yelena Belova oh, yeah. and and with uh, Haley Steinfeld as as Kate Bishop. I'm just so excited to see what happens next. And even like like I I want to see more Jeremy Renner as Clint Barton. I just think he was absolutely fantastic. In, in, yeah, in this definitely. particular show. Yeah. I do love that the Brits are, are ruling the Marvel MC, the, the MCU at the minute. Obviously, Tom Holland, you know, Spider Man, then we've got Benedict Cumberbatch, Doctor Strange, and then obviously 
the brilliant Florence Pugh, who after watching, she was easily the best thing about Black Widow, wasn't it? And I was like, oh, oh yeah. it'd be so good if we got more of that character. And it looks like that's what they're going to be giving us. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to her either having her own film or becoming more involved in some kind of super team or something like that. So, yeah, really looking yeah. forward to that. I'm looking forward to kind of delving into 2022's offerings for, for MCU in terms of like uh, Moon Knight. I, that, apparently that's next. I'm Oscar Isaacs as, as Mark Spector slash Moon Knight. That's, I'm going to see, I'm curious to see what's going to happen there. Miss uh, mm. Marvel with, you know, with, um, yeah, the, the, just tons of stuff coming out. And I'm, I'm oh, very yeah, excited. Definitely. And uh, if you're watching it, Martin, maybe we can get you on MCU later. Though I don't know if it works out with your schedule because usually we record late on, on Thursday night. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll try my best. I'll try. We'll try and do it on a, a non-working week for me. But yeah, I love the show. I love all your shows. And yeah, definitely. You mentioned the t-shirt. I own the uh, Post Purest one, and I wear that quite often. You know, really, really cool t-shirt. So if that one's still available, definitely head out and get that one as well. It's always available, Martin. It's always it's always in in, in <laughs> stock. So we can, we we print that to to order. And can I just tell you, I I told Andrew the story like last year but uh, during lockdown when we were in lockdown at my work like, we still let people do um curbside pickup i was wearing your t-shirt and someone said to me oh what's that and i'm like oh it's for a wrestling podcast that that's run by two people i i'm friends with and they're like oh where can i find i told them and then they said okay I, I'll, I'll give it a listen that looks like a cool shirt so Hopefully, oh, you awesome. a, hopefully you got a new <laughs> listener because I, I was wearing the shirt. Advertising helps people. Advertising yep. helps. So anyways. There you go. Thank uh, you so much, WH. It's been a blast talking to you. Uh, always, always. Really I can't wait to talking to you, mate. I can't wait to see you in person again. You and you and you and Lisa, your wife. And uh, I had just so people know, like the last kind of wrestling live wrestling experience I had was with John Way, but also with Martin and, and, and his wife, Lisa. And, and I got to say, like the times we went to the, uh, the quote unquote Irish pub around <laughs> the corner from uh, uh, Sumo Hall, th- those were like my, some of my biggest highlights for, from that trip, but not, not even the wrestling itself, just like hanging out with you two in that pub, yeah. just talking until what, like two in the morning? <laughs> Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah, we absolutely loved that trip. Um, and what was it that Kotoribushi's favorite chain restaurant as well? was? Oh, Sizeria. Hotel as well, yeah. I was going in there as well. <laughs> it's great times. But we'll do it again in the future for sure. But on behalf of Martin Bushby, I want to thank everyone for listening, for supporting the show. And until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.